Hey, everybody. Dave Hagen here. Hey, today I want you to give me about an hour of your time so I can make a presentation to you about a product. And if you listen all the way through, I've got a gift for you at the end. Does that sound familiar? That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey, thank you, Nick, and welcome everybody today to the Financial Wellness Podcast, or the TFWP as we like to call it, with me here today. Hey, it's Brian Reed. Good morning, David. Always good to be here. Always good to have you here, Brian. Oh, we got something interesting to talk about today. I think everyone's been subject to this pitch. Hey, let us uh, make a one-hour timeshare presentation to you. And if you listen, we'll give you like a weekend free in Las Vegas. Happened to you? Happened to me? But is it a good idea? Now, I could give you my thoughts on it very quickly. I could say yes or no or whatever. And well, we could all go home. But let's think this through a little bit. I think that you'll find it pretty interesting because there's some uh, uh, eye-opening stuff going on here. So timeshares. Timeshares is a big business in the United States. The first, the first timeshare was in Kauai, Hawaii in 1969, I'm told. And according to ARDA, A-R-D-A, which is, by the way, the American Resort Development Association, the timeshare people, there were $10 billion in sales, in timeshare sales in 2018. That's $10 billion. And the average sales price was almost $22,000. So $22,000 on the average for a timeshare, a new one. And the average maintenance fee is about $1,000 a year currently. Now, I was kind of doing some research uh, around on the internet and found out that uh, as little as five years ago, that average maintenance fee was about 600 bucks. So it's gone up substantially in the last five years. Anyway, uh, who cares? I mean, who really cares? Buy one and have a free vacation for life, right? I mean, that, that sounds pretty good. But the answer is not necessarily. Let's break it down a little bit further. Um, a lot of people might ask, what's a timeshare? Well, it, it can vary, but it goes like this. When you buy some property, you get a deed, and you can use that property pursuant to that deed full-time, or think of it this way, a full 52 weeks a year. With a timeshare, you share the property with 51 other people. Now, you can use it for the whole week, but you're really a co-owner with 51 other people. Sound like a good deal? Now, some timeshares allow you the same week every year. Some have floating weeks that you can reserve, usually within certain times within the year. Like, for example, if you get a skiing timeshare, you will buy within you know, the winter season. And if you buy within the summer season, it's much less because people don't want to be at a ski resort in the summer typically. Um, so it, that time will float. Sometimes shares are not even shared ownership, but shared leases. 
So you share a, a common lease with 51 other people. I don't know. It's starting to get a little uh, loosey-goosey in my mind. Some sh- timeshares are even based upon points in a club. Now, a lot of people like this, but, you know, to put up money for points in a club that you can turn in for, uh, you know, weeks, different weeks at different places. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes shares, you can just rent out your week. Sometimes shares, you can exchange for property in other areas, but you better get that swap done early because you want to have a good one to exchange to and your timeshare better be pretty good. You know, I'll give you an example. There's a timeshare place I know in Ventura, California, which by the way, is a really nice place to go, but it's not particularly well known. So you let your timeshare people know that, hey, I got this place in Ventura. Not a lot of people are necessarily going to want to pick it up. Um, They say that Hawaii is probably one of the best places to have a uh, you know, timeshare, uh, Vegas. I mean, I, I don't know. It depends. There's a lot of timeshare places in Vegas, but I don't know. Maybe people like to be at the, at the hotels and stuff more. How about timeshares in Barstow, California? Now that's a great place to go play golf, but uh, Barstow, California, I don't know. I don't know. Not, not, not so much. Not so much. All right. So here's, here's basically the deal. You buy the timeshare for about $22,000 and you own it forever. I mean, you get a deed. It's a recorded deed in most cases. And you pay a maintenance fee of about $1,000 a year. That's really about $80 a month for life. As long as you own or your name is on that timeshare, $80 a month for life. Still a good deal? And when you're done with it, if you don't want to pay the $80 a month on the maintenance fee for life... You must do something with it. You've got to sell it or give it away if someone will take it or will it to your kids or do whatever you need to do. And if you sell it, studies show that the resale value is less than 50% of what you paid. But you got to get it out of your name when you're done with it because otherwise you still owe the $80 a month for as long as you owe it. Still sound like a good idea? I don't know. Here's some of my thoughts. First of all, you never want to borrow money. I mean, that's a that's a primary thing that we talk about here at TFWP. You try to never borrow money. Maybe maybe short term for a house, but you never want to borrow money. And you never want to borrow money for an asset that declines in value. Um, it's almost worse than a car. You know, we've talked about not wanting to buy uh, a car because it declines in value, especially if you buy it right off the, the new car lot. Um, in this case, it's actually worse than a car because... If a car gets old, you can pick it up, have it towed, and and have the title closed out. But a timeshare, it's always going to be there, 80 a month to maintain it. I don't know. Another thought, do you really love the place? I mean, are you really going to go to the same place every year, maybe even during the same week, for the rest of your life? Aren't you going to get bored with the place, maybe? After three, four, five times, you go, oh, man. I've been there, done that, seen that. I don't know if I want to go there again. I don't know. I think I would get bored. Now, yeah, you might be able to exchange your unit for a unit somewhere else, like, you know, Ventura for California to something in Miami, Florida, or something like that. But you've got to tie it up a year in advance, typically, especially for the good places. And you've got to have something really good to, to trade. So I don't know. Do you really love the place that much? Another thought, do you really want to pay $80 a month, and it might increase, as it has the last five years, for the rest of your life? I mean, that's kind of a millstone around your neck as you're putting together your monthly 
spending plan and you have to put in 80 a month for the maintenance fee on your timeshare, assuming that you paid cash for the timeshare, by the way, assuming that you're already paid $22,000, do you really want to budget in 80 a month for the rest of your life or until you get out of it? And that's another thought. How do you bail out? I mean, how do you bail out on this thing? You can, you can sell it. Yes, you can sell it. But it's a tough sale. They're typically done online these days. You should pay broker's fees. Um, a lot of times these go through escrow. The buyer's going to want access to the place. They're not going to pony up seven, dollars $8,000 unless they see it. And how do you get them in to see it during the specific week? Or can you get the management company to let them walk through? Or are they going to go there and fly to Colorado to see what that ski place looks like or fly to Hawaii to check it out? Um, it's a tough sell. It's really a tough sell. And another way to get out of it, there's places that are, um, or businesses actually, that are called exit teams. And basically you're hiring a lawyer or a company to, to get you out. And you're going to have to pay them fees to negotiate with the timeshare company to get them to um, sell it or, or take it back. You could just give it to the home sh- to the timeshare people and then they'll own it and then they can rent it out. I mean, you could do that, but you're walking away from all of your investment it's not really an investment, by the way, but all of the money that you put into it. Same thing with the exit teams, by the way. You're generally just going to walk away from the whole thing. You could give it away, but if you go to a charity and say, here's this valuable thing that you can auction off at the annual fundraiser, but you got to pay 80 a month to maintain it. I don't think the charity is going to want that unless you prepay a maintenance fee for a bunch of years. Um you could give it in your will and trust when you pass, but uh, the kids might not want it. The kids might not like going to, uh, you know, Branson every year, which would be an interesting timeshare, but not for not for younger kids necessarily. They might disclaim the gift from the trust or the will and say, you know, no thanks. Another thought, will you trust the management company forever? It's like the homeowners association. Will you trust them forever? What if there's poor management? What if they let the place fall into disrepair and no one wants to go there? What if the neighborhood around the timeshare declines, sometimes through no fault of the the timeshare company or the development? Um, It seems to me there's a lot of issues and risk, especially when you're talking about how difficult it can be to uh, get out of that. couple of things to think about. So as a result, I mean, timeshares are usually sold with a high pressure pitch and to people that are typically on vacation. They really want to make it some kind of an impulse buy because if somebody sits at home and starts to analyze this really clearly, some of these downsides start to uh, uh, to come to the front of their mind. And they'll usually give you something up front for free, right? Like the weekend in Vegas, but isn't this what like the credit card companies are doing? Hey, we'll give you 20,000 points, which is about $200, I guess, when you sign up. So we'll give you 200 bucks or we'll give you a weekend in Vegas to commit to $22,000 to purchase and $80 a month for the rest of your life. So what? So what? Still sound like a good idea? I don't know. I don't know. Think about it. Uh, let me tell you about my experience. I got a little story here to tell you. Uh, this was uh, some years ago, but my wife and I were skiing in uh, Utah. 
and we were offered a free lift ticket each, which is a you know fairly nice piece of money for a, a one-hour presentation in the morning. Well, what a deal. We thought, look, let's get there first thing at 8 o'clock. We'll be on the slopes by 9, 9.15. We'll give them that hour. We're going to say no because I don't think we want to uh, uh, necessarily do that, but let's listen to what they have to say. Never uh, been uh, part of a timeshare pitch. So we checked it out and I figured, you know what, even if it's a strong pitch, I consider myself pretty strong willed. So we sat there for the hour and listened to some guy outline it for us. And the deal was, as I recall, about $25,000 for a week and it included 80, 80 free ski lift tickets. Now that means that the two of us could ski for free for like 40 days. Well, that would last us a whole bunch of years because we don't get a chance to ski that much and it sounded really good and then the discussion came to how we would pay and uh, we didn't have $25,000 in the bank Um, I don't know that anyone should have $25,000 in the bank or their checking account it should be uh, in you know in some kind of securities or in a money market or something and we said well we could sell some money out of our securities account But that didn't sound that good to us because we would lose future appreciation on that money, potentially interest on that money. Um, And it it would distract us from getting to where we thought we were moving financially. They they said they would finance it. They had a finance company. I think it was something like 10 to 15 percent. And we said, no, that's not, yeah, no, I don't really want to do that. They even suggested, get this, they even suggested that we could take a second out on our house to get the $25,000, so, and we'd get a lower interest rate on the second. And, you know, when they uh, when they started talking about taking a second out of the house, that's when we said, you know, check, please. And this 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 happened several years ago, I mean, certainly before TFWP, uh, and we were thinking quite so critically about these kinds of things, but it just it just didn't sound that good to us. But man, 80 free lift tickets sounded pretty good. And the resort that we were sitting at was, was probably as good as we'd ever seen. We were looking around going, man, this is the best. But, you know, we, we decided to pass. So when we told the guy, yeah, I don't think so, give us our free lift ticket, please. Uh, he said, no, we, we have to bring in the manager. The manager's the only one that hands out the... Uh, the free tickets. Well, they were bringing in the real hard sell person, as it turns out. So we had to wait another period of time for for her to be free. And remember, this is in the morning when we wanted to go skiing, and they knew it. But they finally brought her in, and she gave us the even harder sell, like, how can you pass up this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity kind of thing? And that went on for another 30, 40 minutes. And and finally, she said, uh, okay, okay, I'll give you the promise tickets for today. Well, I hope so. <laughs> that was the promise. But it's like she was giving us some concession for being able to survive her hard sell. I hope so. We got the tickets, but it, it, it took all morning. They knew this. They knew they were going to tie up our morning. Obviously, it was part of the plan, I'm sure. So we spent one half of our five days, one half of our five days total, skiing, sitting in an office and, you know, we got a used ticket, each of us that we ended up using only about um, half the day. You know, it almost didn't seem like they were going to let us out. Like they knew we couldn't walk out because then we couldn't get our free ticket, right? I mean, we'd already invested the time. So you kind of had to sit there. We had to sit there. 
And uh, yeah, we skied a half a day for free, but was it worth it? Uh, you know, I, I don't think so. It was a nice enough place and it certainly would have been, you know, we would have skied a lot at that resort with 80 tickets, but I'll bet we wouldn't have used all the 80 tickets and we would be so tired of skiing at one particular place. And I don't know that it was worth it. And you know, I got to tell you, as much as I asked for it, I still resented the the hard sell. I still see the the manager coming coming at us dressed to the nines and going, "Wow, here here comes the person that's going to apply the the thumb screw." But it was really interesting, interesting as can be to to see them do their thing. So that's my story. Here's a tip, something that I learned from that. Um, they start out asking you how much you spend a year on, on your vacation. And once you answer this question with the dollar amount, now they've set up a premise to sell you a timeshare. They're essentially getting you to prepay on your vacation. And they'll work through the numbers and they'll show you how it's actually so much cheaper to buy the timeshare than to spend money on a hotel room or a B&B or whatever you do and go someplace. And it's paid in advance and you only have to pay this amount and it's a really good value. And if you get tired of the place, you can swap and da 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 da, da. But don't fall for that premise, you know? Just tell them you don't go on vacation that often. It makes it much harder for them to sell. If they don't get a number from you, then their next step is going to be, well, you really deserve vacation, vacation, don't you? Don't you really deserve to be with your family? And when you have young kids, you want to bring them along. And don't you deserve that? Don't accept the premise. Tell them, hey, I really don't go on vacation that much. Or tell them what you actually spend. But be very realistic about it. If you don't accept their premise, it makes it harder for them to accept their conclusion. So is this really a scam? No, not really. I mean, it it's legal. It's legal in all 50 states from what I know. Um, you know, but in some cases, maybe it's worth it. I mean, if you buy one used, remember I said that you buy one used, it's like less than 50% of the original price. Kind of like a car. Think of that. Kind of like a car. After some years, it's worth a whole lot less. But if you buy one used through like a, a website or if you see an ad or something like that, you could get in one at a, a pretty low price and that makes the upfront better. Now, you're still going to be responsible for the absolute full amount of the maintenance fee. But if you get in cheaper, uh, maybe. Or if you think you want to be at the same place every year for the rest of your life, I mean, that doesn't sound very exciting, but maybe. If that's the case, maybe that's not a, a bad idea. If you'd like to plan your vacation a year in advance, and if you want to exchange, you got to do it a year in advance. And if you've got a, um, a week that, that moves within a certain zone in the year, you've got to reserve it in advance. And a lot of people reserve it right after they leave. They, they reserve it one year ahead of time. So if you like to do that or you want to spend a lot of time trading, looking at pictures on the Internet, et cetera, et cetera maybe, maybe it's not a bad idea. But um, you've got to be the kind of person that likes to spend a lot of time shopping or comparing offers on the Internet. I mean, kind of like the type of person that enjoys comparing credit card offers or coupons. There are some people that find that very, very entertaining. And if you do, well, I mean, maybe. I mean, it wouldn't be my cup of tea. I wouldn't do it. So I think the answer is no, it's not a scam. And in some very, 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 very limited circumstances, maybe you consider it. You know, especially if you buy a used, I think only an idiot would buy something directly from a timeshare company for the full price that in a year or two is going to be worth half or less as much. 
but maybe in limited circumstances, me, I like the flexibility of not having it. I prefer the greater flexibility. You know, more recently in the last bunch of years, places have arisen like Vacation Rental by Owner, VRBO, or they call themselves Verbo for some reason now, or Airbnb, which is getting a lot more air. And you can go over you want, wherever you want. Really, you can see the pictures. You can find out what the costs are. You have all these different choices. And yeah, yeah, occasionally you get a stinker that you rent there and you show up and you go, wow, this isn't really what I thought. But for the most part, it's kind of exciting to see what a new and different place is. You're typically getting places that have, you know, kitchens and multiple bathrooms and that kind of stuff. And um, I prefer the the variety of that. And that's another reason why I'm not a big fan of, of timeshares at all. And if you don't go on vacation and there's some years where you don't, you just leave the money in the bank and take the interest or the appreciation on your stock. Um, you know, in a timeshare, if you don't use it, I don't know that they're going to build up that much. Um, some do, some don't. But you're paying for it anyway. I mean, if you don't go on vacation a year and you're still paying 80 a month, I'm not digging that. I'm not digging that as I put together my monthly spending plan. So I don't know. Here's a thought. Take the money, the 22000 that you would use, and... Put it in a securities account and pick kind of a, a boring securities account that's going to return you some interest. And, you know, some years less, some years more. We've talked about this on TFWP so many times, but maybe you'll get an average of, I don't know, 10% appreciation or 10% dividend. Well, that means you're going to have about $2,200 a year as a budget to go on vacation. Use that as part of your vacation budget. Heck, some years you might not even spend that. Sometimes you'll just go, you know, to the coast and spend four or five days and come back and put that money or leave that money behind in the account and let it appreciate. Don't think of it as an investment. An investment is not something that will almost certainly decline in value. If the salesman says to you, hey, it's a great real estate investment, walk away. If he says it's an investment in future vacations, walk away. They obviously don't respect your intelligence, especially now that you know what we've talked about here today on TFWP. Well, those are my thoughts on timeshares and and I'm sticking with them. You know, if there's any listeners out there that sell timeshares, hey, give me a call. I'd love to have you on the show. And I think we could have a lively exchange of, of uh, thoughts and uh, have an interesting uh, conversation. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Well, hey, that's a wrap. This is Dave Hagan, and you are listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. As an additional bonus, each month, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, Brian's got a big fistful of emails and Brian, I want to read one. You always get to read them. I want to read one. 
Give me the best. I want the best one in the pile. The best. The best. Okay. Yeah, let's look at this one. This one's from Jeff, and I recognize Jeff's name. He sent in uh, questions before, and uh, he's a frequent uh, listener. And, uh, you know, a shout out to Jeff. Thank you for sending questions. And here's his question. Hi, David. Love TFWP. Well, thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. And um, I like the fact that you, you call us TFWP. That's uh, something we want to be known as. He continues, uh, especially I like the book recommendations. I've finished Ms. Warren's book and started The Wealthy Barber. Elizabeth Warren suggests that must-haves in your budget should exceed 50% of your pay. I think what you meant to say is should not exceed 50% of your pay. But living here in Southern California, I think that's next to impossible. Should Californians adjust the percentage to account for the high housing costs? Thanks, Jeff. Hey, thanks, Jeff. And I again, I appreciate the, uh, appreciate the email. You know, I think that anytime you look at these guidelines, um, you need to take into account what's really happening in your life. Uh, underline the word guidelines. They are guidelines. And yes, in California, as it is in New York, housing is ridiculously expensive. So you might want to adjust a little bit, but be very cautious that you're not using that as an excuse just to get into you know, something larger that you don't necessarily need. And no one's going to be able to tell you that other than yourself looking inward and, uh, you know, coming up with a, a real good, true determination that, that's best for you. Um, these are guidelines. These are guidelines. And I'm glad that you're, you're listening to, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren's guidelines. You know, she's running as a candidate for president right now. But before that, she was a Harvard professor teaching bankruptcy law. And during that time, she was also writing, you know, financial uh, literacy books, her and her daughter. So um, she had a whole nother career back at that time. And she wrote some pretty good stuff, I think. And by the same token, The Wealthy Barber is as good as it gets in terms of a book. So to take all of those books and, you know, look at and think about and internalize the guidelines that they propose is a good thing. And then I think you've got to compare them together or, or blend them together. And then you have to internalize them into to what works for you. They're, they're, they're guidelines. But yeah, yeah, I think it's so expensive in Southern California. You're really going to have to take that into account as you're putting together your monthly spending plan. So, Jeff, thanks for the question. Good question. And uh, we'll look forward to the next one. Oh, man, here's another uh, email that Brian just uh, tucked under my nose here. This one's from Simon. And, and as long as we're dealing with people that uh, I know or people that I know sending us stuff, I, I think I know who Simon is, too. Uh, Simon's email says, uh, Dear Dave, uh, I show up at Starbucks every day and buy a cup of coffee. Do you think that's too much of an indulgence, Simon? Well, Simon, no, because I'm there with you most of the time getting that cup of coffee and uh, I don't know, $2.15 for a coffee isn't that big of a deal. Now, if we were having uh, a latte or a frappahoo-hoo or whatever that other stuff is, the cold fusion or whatever, yeah, that might get to be a lot of money. But, uh, you know, small cup of coffee, medium cup of coffee, uh, not too much, especially when there's good conversation, interesting people to talk to. Um, I think it's kind of a, 
I think it's kind of a good thing. Now, I got to tell you, the thing I like most about the um, uh, uh, the coffee um, and the best cup of coffee that I have all day is the refill. You know why? That refill is free. And it seems like stuff that's free even tastes just a little bit better. So I love to go up to the counter and go, hey, I want my free fill. So I can justify that by saying, yeah, I get a couple cups of coffee for $2.15. So I'm really having two cups at, uh, what is that, a buck, a buck seven a piece. So I justify it and, and feel good about that. Simon, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. All right, that's all the emails we're going to do today. I think that's enough. We've spent enough time together talking about our timeshares and a couple of emails. Stick with us. We're working on a couple of interesting things coming up in the coming weeks, including a couple of interviews I think that you will find are very interesting and with very interesting people. That's a wrap for today. This is Dave Hagan, Brian Reed, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.